Hello, it's Whitney, and I want to welcome you to Ladies Takeover Empowerment Podcast, where we're all about helping you to succeed and become the very best version of yourself. So can I just say this phrase, mental health awareness, mental health awareness. Last month, it was mental health awareness. I I can't express to you how important it is for us to truly take time to understand who we are, understand our emotions, the things that we've gone through, delayed reactions to tragedies and traumas that have happened in our life. This all is surrounded around these couple of words, mental health awareness. And so I'm going to um, encourage you if you're seeking, you need assistance, there's things that you don't understand, depression and anxiety, um, frustrations just with life, that there are plenty of tools out there that can help you. This conversation that we're about to kind of take a sneak peek into is really um, myself and my guest Sylvie Thompson talking about um, being aware, aware of when you have become depressed, aware of when you have let um, death and delayed response to um, dealing with issues kind of take over your life. And we all need that support system. And if you don't have it, I want you to know that we can be that support system for you. Um, we're here to help. We're here to encourage and we're here to empower and lift your spirit up. So don't be dismayed. Don't think that you can't make it. I want you to speak to yourself right now and say my health my wealth and prosperity is coming to me. Your mental health is so important. And so on today, we're going to talk about that. So hold on tight, listen to this conversation, and I'll see you afterwards. endeavors that you do. Um, explain to us how you keep your mental health while juggling all of these different things. <laughs> That's a good question. Just <laughs> pull my hair out. Um, what I did hit my look, I really put in a lot of work. Mm. Um, prayer, reading, therapy, um, Temporarily, I used uh, medications to get myself to a stable place from that low, right? Mm -hmm. And the work that I put in... Oh no, hold on guys. I think we have a connection um, issue with Shelby. Hold on a second. Let me see if she'll come back. I'm going to remove her. Oh, there you are. Can you hear me? Okay. Am I back? I can hear yeah. you. Okay, good. Okay. What was the last thing you heard me say? You said that you, um, used medication to help balance you out. Right. So I used, I had medication. Um, I, I had my church. I used therapy. I read books, uh, meditation. All of those things helped me to cope and bring me to a place where I learned tools that would kind of ward off things from happening. Okay. I, my major problem was when, tr when 
uh, traumas and tragedy hit my life, I didn't have any coping mechanisms. Mm, Okay. That was the main problem. I didn't know how to cope with things that happened. And then once I learned those tools, then I was, I'm able to use those now throughout my life every day. Is it going in and out? Just a little bit, but I can still follow you. Can you hear me? Okay. Okay, good. I can hear you now. Okay, awesome. You can go. Keep going. Should I try to log out? You might log out and then come back in and see if it's a better connection. Okay. <laughs> so, um, okay, okay. Give us a second, guys. See, this is when you know that you are about to bless some people. I need you to understand what I'm saying. Follow me because there's times there's there's things that happen in the airways and there's things that people don't necessarily understand when your mouth and what you are about to say the authority that you carry is about to bless some people and help some people and heal some people all the powers that are out there the powers of the air will attempt to block and stop those things from happening so i need you to know if you don't have people logged on I need you to get some people logged on right now that are about to be blessed by the testimony it says that we are overcomers the word of God says we're overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and so my guest that I'm bringing back up Shelby she has an amazing testimony and we're about to set some people free some people are going to begin to self-heal in this month of mental Um, health awareness. I want everyone to make sure that you're paying close attention. So I'm bringing Shelby back on. Hey there. Hey, this is better, right? Perfect. Perfect. Okay, go ahead. You said that you had to come up with a recipe that worked best for you. Yes, um, I did. And I, one of the things I was lacking was coping skills, right? I was raised by the Cosbys and I had a very... A fluffy, fluffy childhood upbringing. And, you know, whenever I got into challenges, my big brother was right there to help me or my parents were right there as a as a safety net for me. So I didn't really have to cope with much growing up. And it wasn't until like uh, 25, 26 years old when things started just coming at me like crazy. And um, I chose the wrong husband the first time. I chose, uh, made a couple of bad decisions that led to a lot of uh, trauma and drama. And um, I just couldn't find my way out of it. And so um, when, like I said before, when when tragedy hit me, I just didn't know what to do. I fell all apart. And so I had to put myself back together again, literally. I was literally like 25 years old, married with a house and cars and a house in the Bahamas and a great savings account and a great career, 25 years old, right? And then all of a sudden, boom, I lost my child. I lost my husband. 
I lost my career. I lost my house. I lost my cars. God said, whew, I'm strip you naked, going out there and, and figure it out. And I was like, wait one minute, wait, wait. And I didn't know what to do. And so I just sank and was like lost. And I had to, I, one day I just said to myself, like I had a really good foundation a really good foundation. My family foundation was really strong. My uh, spiritual foundation was really strong. And those are things that um, if I can encourage anyone with children, give them the best foundation you possibly can. Because in those weary moments and those weary times when you're wondering, do I am I going to sink or swim? I was like, so much has been poured into me and invested in me. I have to choose to swim. And how am I going to do it? I have no idea, but I knew that the choice was that I was going to swim. And so I just had to figure out how, and then it all fell into place. And so I had to rebuild myself, rebuild my belief system, rebuild uh, my toolbox. I, I didn't have a toolbox before, but I had to put things in my toolbox to help me navigate this world as an adult. And, um, it helped me so much and um i i came you know this person that i was so proud of like hey girl hey girl <laughs> like you can you can withstand the rain like i was just so proud of myself that when situations happen it didn't knock me down and each time that life came at me fast i was like whoa i'm still standing whoa i'm still standing and so you know by the time I met my husband at 40, I was like, listen, I got I got this together now. So <laughs> that's so funny. That's so cute. And to see you and your husband together, you guys are so beautiful. You are a yeah, phenomenal, so, no. phenomenal powerhouse couple. I know people tell me and my husband that all the time. And I'm just like, y'all know it's all me. It's all me. I'm the one who's the powerhouse. <laughs> and he's just the added. Exactly. On the top, but um, I'm just like, exactly. I'm just playing. Um, I, I think that, uh, like you said, that we have a lot that's in common, a lot that, um, we, we mirror and match very similar things. I know that you mentioned, um, being in a place to where you were willing to take medicine along with other things and having that foundation. And I wanna talk about this because I think that it's very important um, for previous generations that never would talk about having mental illness issues because some of it is actually um, generational. And then also that stigmatism that comes with like, hey, you shouldn't go to a therapist, no counseling, no life coaches, no medicine, none of those things. Um, with that, that strong foundation and support system that you had, did you find yourself having to go against the grain or were they supportive in saying, hey, whatever you need to do, whether it's medicine or counseling, um, how did you go about that process of determining what was best for you? Yeah, that's a great question. It, in the beginning, um, my parents were, especially my mom, she's like, you know, she's like, 
sweetie, we're black. Like we go through stuff, you know, brush it off and keep it pushing. Like what you're going through. I remember when I went through my divorce, um, I was from a small town in Virginia and I said, mom, you know, I'm so embarrassed. Like everybody knows that I'm getting a divorce. And my mom was like, you ask Hillary Clinton what embarrassment <laughs> is. Like, get yourself right. together. This one is small town. It's not a big deal. You know what I'm saying? She really, she really brought it into perspective for me. But when I was saying like, oh, I wish I needed, I need to go to therapy. I need to take pills. I need to do something to help me out. My mom was like, thinking like, do you think you could just go to Betty's Ford Clinic and just be okay? Like, <laughs> women historically and generationally. We just keep pushing through. And so it was hard for her to understand at first. But then when um, I started to lose weight and I started to physically show signs of being sick, that's when they were like, well, and my family, literally, there might be some of my family on here. They did an intervention on me. Mm, One day I showed up to the house. And I was very functional. I was very functional, depressive. I was going to work. I was like, da, 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 da. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Wow. And I came over one day and they sat me down and everybody went around the room and said, listen, you've lost 20 some pounds. Your you're, you're... one thing was I got caught not being honest about going to therapy. I had said I was going and I really was going to the mall and they had called looking for me saying she hasn't been here in like five weeks. And so that was one thing. So I wasn't being honest about going to therapy. I was losing weight and I kept putting on a thing was okay. And they basically just sat me down and said, we cannot continue to watch you do this, to watch you deteriorate. Mm. So these are your choices. No, my brother said, if you want to be around your niece and nephew, you're going to have to stick to the program. And the program is you going to therapy. My mom was like, if you want to come here on Sunday dinners, you're going to have to. So everybody gave me ultimatums. And I was originally, I was mad. I was like, well, forget it then. I won't come over here. I was thinking that in my head just for a second. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I was like, you know what? What would it hurt and harm if I actually did what the professional suggested. Say it. I'm no professional. I've never been through this before. I'm bent, not broken, but I'm bent. And I need to listen to someone who knows best. And I just surrendered myself to um, the process and said, you know, none of this has to be permanent. That was the part. That's what I want people to understand. Whether you're going to do therapy or medication or meditation or reading books or exercising, whatever tool you use, it doesn't have, it's not permanent. I like it's that. temporary until you can get yourself to a place back to who you were or better. Yeah. And that was my goal to be better than I was when I was bent. And so I just surrendered myself to the process because I love my family so much. And I had this strong desire to swim. And that's what did it. And, um, you know, I probably did medication for a good six to eight months. Um, and then the rest of it I did through um, therapy and books and reading and, you know, natural things. 
This is amazing, Shelby. I don't know if you realize how much you're helping people. I don't know if you have a book, but you should write a book. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny because even, you know, oftentimes when I speak about this, I've spoken about this before. And this is one tool I want to tell people. I went to therapy and I was on like this insurance thing and you get like 15 days or whatever, 15 sessions or whatever your insurance allows, right? And when I was almost finished with the session, um, I had like three sessions left and my therapist was like, and I was sitting there and kind of like a, a, you know, an unopened way. And I said, listen, I got three more sessions. I need you to fix me kind of quick because the money's running out. The insurance, (laughs) like, I need you to get me fixed, you know? And she said to me, and I want everybody to hear this. He said, the healing can begin when you start telling the truth. And I was so angry. I gathered my things. I walked out, I got in my car. And I sat in the car and I cried. It was like, how dare she say this to me? Mm. And I came back in and I started to tell the truth. Wow. And it, it was like some of the trauma and traumatic things that I had gone through, I had lied for so long that I believed them. Wow. And I was telling her, oh, you know, my husband just, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, No, it was just a little scuffle or this or that. You know, I was like buttering up everything that I had gone through. And we went back in there and was like, okay, this is the truth. I'm a lifetime (laughs) movie all in myself, right? (laughs) Then, then Then we could work on the healing. But I think a lot of people go into therapeutic situations Mm -hmm. and they're not honest Mm -hmm. about how they feel. They're not honest about what happened. They're not honest about the fear factor of what's going to happen going forward, Mm -hmm. you know? And once you just say, you know, surrender for real and be honest for real, then the healing can begin. Whatever method you choose, the healing can begin first with being honest. Man, I mean, that's a mouthful that you said. First of all, I wrote down that you said that you were um, functioning and depressed, which, I mean, that is a lot of people. Um, And then you said surrender to the process because it doesn't have to be permanent. And then the healing begins when you start telling the truth. And I think that... Um, and um, Dominique is on here. He said the truth will help you to try. Well, truth will help you to triumph. And I think that that's so important because um, if you're not honest with yourself, then you definitely can't be honest with anybody else. And I think that what makes us function in dysfunction is living a lie. 
And so you get used to it. You you used to putting on that face and, and making excuses and saying all these different things. When the reality is, is that you are broken. You've been looking through a broken lens at your life, at situations. You don't treat other people well because you feel bad about yourself. And there's so much healing that can be unpacked if we allow someone to come in and to help us and to be that counselor. Now it's big like life coaches, you know, whatever it is that can help you to be the better form of you is where we should be at in this place in our lives. How do you feel about that? Absolutely. You, it, it's absolutely right. You're on point. Um, I was, I, I, even now, um, you know, there in 2022, I think about 46,000 people in the United States, um, 2021, about 46,000 people committed suicide. And most of those people were functionally fine on social media. They showed up fine to their family, their workplace, they showed up fine. And so um, most people are very, very good at covering their their deep um, pain and in, in, in Sometimes friends and, you know, those of you who may know someone might be going through something, you kind of got to ask the right questions. Are you okay? It's not really um, a deep enough question because, (laughs) you know, are you okay? Because you're going to say, I'm fine. Like, I'm fine. You know, how, how are you? I'm good. Right. But you're going to get classic answers. You really have to dig deep when you think that people are going through something and pull and say, you know, um, you know, like, are you having trouble getting out of bed? You know, are, do you have the same desires that you used to? When you notice that your friends used to like to play tennis all the time and now they don't have the desire for that particular thing anymore. It could be depression or um or when people have extended grief. I mean, there's obviously stages of grief that um, that people go through, but from my understanding, and you know, you do need to go through those stages. And sometimes people get stuck in one stage. And when you notice that someone is stuck in that one stage of grief, you know, that's when kind of intervention needs to happen to move them along to the next stage of it or they could sink and a lot of people who are um high profile right who are expected to be on um like the the young um pageant girl or like a robin uh williams or um what was my man from soul train don cornelius oh yeah people like that who are in front of the camera and expected to be on and expected to be happy and to be joyful like you have all of this money what could you be sad about those are the people you have to really really tap into and um peel back the layers and and oftentimes need the most help because you know they are truly afraid to show any type of brokenness you know Yeah, and that's what's scary. And I think that that's where I was correlating all of the things that you are expected to do. People may say required to do. 
You can't have an off day when you have a young child. You can't um, just lay in the bed when you have um, a husband or you have a new thriving business or a small business that you're trying to get up off the ground or, you know, there's people that you lead that are literally looking to you um, for the next information. When you deal with crypto and the women, I mean, that's every like every minute things are changing and you you don't necessarily feel like you can afford to to not be on at all times and i think that it's important to have this conversation because at some point maybe not today maybe even not next year but you will reach your breaking point and it happens to us all and i can remember i was out I thought I was enjoying myself at this concert and it was a huge concert. You're talking about being embarrassed. I was at Jericho City of Praise. You know where that is out here, right? In this area, huge church in the Washington DC area at a concert. I felt myself feeling funny. And I said, you know what, to my husband, I think I need to go. He was like, right now, we can't wait a little bit longer. I was like, I need to go. By the time I got outside, I was passed out on the ground i thought i was taking a side exit and it was the exit like where all of the 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 musicians and singers and everybody was coming out so they were blasting it all over social media that i had passed out they called the ambulance and from that point i was in the hospital for two weeks having non-stop seizures never happened a day in my life and it was all because it was delayed um grief dealing with my father who had passed maybe two years prior and I kept myself busy I kept myself doing things and the pressures of life just got worse and worse and worse and I never took the time to tell anybody that I needed help I never took the time to tell someone hey I'm suffering and I don't know how to deal with this and what I find most times is just like the young lady um who graduated not too long long ago and posted her suicide note online and then committed suicide is that we speak to social media we look on on Facebook and Instagram or TikTok for someone to give us the answer of relief or we put out forms of crying like I'm sad today and we want someone to reach out for to us but we really don't have the proper tools to get the help and the healing that we need and I know I said a mouthful but um, um, I was saying all that to say that there has to be a mechanism or a way that people who consider themselves close to us realize that we're going through, that there is a problem here and I need to fix it. And so I commend your family for being that for you. That's amazing because everybody doesn't have that story. Yes, yes, Whitney. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, you are, you know, you were functional and doing your thing and no one even knew they're thinking oh she's handling this so well yes. or they're thinking you're having your late night cries but everything is okay that's powerful the delayed response that is definitely um I have not experienced that but I could imagine I've, I've passed out multiple times too but I don't, <laughs> I'm, but um you know 
that's really a learning lesson for me about that delayed response of grief because you know i'm i'm kind of a the way i work is that i'm when i'm on i'm on and then i'll have my nighttime where i'll just yeah. cry like crazy or mm-hmm. i let loose in the shower mm-hmm. that's where I, that's where my good tears come from they come <laughs> in the shower um so i i kind of like exert my pain on on site and mm-hmm. so for you delaying it that long you had moments where you grieved but it just wasn't it, you didn't cope uh you know what we're not trying to interview you but during that time what were you doing like well, not grieving or yeah i don't think i gave myself permission to grieve um uh, some many people who know me know that my husband and I ended up taking over the church from my father. Um, I was in a, a leadership position as one of the pastors in the ministry. Um, I also was traveling around singing everywhere. So I ingratiated myself in being in the studio, recording music. Um, and then I, w- I would still uh, uh, preach on different times on Sunday services, teach Bible study. And I don't think that anyone gave me the permission. And I definitely didn't give myself the permission to grieve his absence because I thought that I wasn't allowed to. I thought that, you know, once um, we said our goodbyes and we had the the ceremony and he's in a better place and all of those different types of things, it was selfish of me to grieve um, and be sad. And I didn't have the time to do that. I didn't feel like I everything that I was doing and a part of, I didn't have a moment to just be like, you know what, I'm cutting everything off. I need some time to get my head together. And my body was telling me over a period of time, I just wasn't listening. And um, he died in May, about August, I had an onset of a number of allergies. I became allergic to shellfish, lettuce, celery, and nuts all at the same time, at one time in August. and. I still wasn't realizing that my but I was I was I was uh, submerging it so much and not dealing with it that my body was like hello you there's some stuff going on and it took all of that for me to finally get to the place to where I I had to stop and they the the doctor was like you need to go on like two or three weeks of where you do nothing but have fun like enjoy yourself be happy learn how to live again and I'm like I don't know what you're talking about I knew exactly what he was talking about you know but it's it's hard to deal with the real truth that there's some stuff that we got to deal with with ourselves especially when you're used to telling other people you can do it you can make it you're gonna be all right and you're the encourager and now the encourager needs the encouraging yes yes you hit the nail i was a cheerleader in high school (laughs) in college i was always cheering on my friends i always had a 
a good group of girlfriends and from uh, college and workplace. I was, you know, so I was that one like, you can do this. I always had a positive word for everyone, always kept it up. So when the cheerleader went down, it was like, whoa, nobody even knew what to do. My friends were like, what do we do? You're the one. <laughs> You're the one that tells us everything is going to be okay. You know, so... Yeah, this is this is um, a super blessing to have this conversation, and I really hope that people, especially moms, because whether we're sick or whatever's going on, you got to wake up. The baby needs food, right? You still have to get the children dressed. You still have to like do a jig and be the wife, right? Yep. And so for me, I get exhausted with it sometimes. I'm like feeling like Bojangle, like ding, 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 ding. <laughs> like, <laughs> like good grief, it's a lot. Um, and what I used to do is kind of make it small, like, oh, well, I only have one child. Oh, well, you know, uh, you know, I'm older, so financially I'm not in a place like my parents were, blah, blah, blah. But then I'm like, well, I'm older, so I don't feel like going outside to play, you know. <laughs> so, um, but we always, you know, just come up with excuses why we can't rest and why we can't um, take the time that we need. And um, so for all the women out there, you know, hopefully that you took some information and some testimony from Whitney and I both about how to balance. It's, it's really the balance, a little bit of this and a whole lot of that so that your cup is not empty. You can't just keep pouring out and pouring out and pouring out. You got to pour back into yourself. I, I literally used to think like, a massage or getting my nails and her hair done was like, it's gonna be a waste of my day. That's gonna be <laughs> hours that I'm not gonna be doing something that I need to do. Like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to sit in the hairdresser for two or three hours, cause that's gonna push me back from dinner. It's gonna push me back from doing homework. It's gonna push everything back. And so that was my thought process. And it still is sometimes. And then I have to remind myself, if I take those two hours, dinner's going to taste better <laughs> because I'm yeah. going to put love into it. You know, if I take that time to just take a nap, close the door and take a nap, then everybody's going to be happier because I'm not going to mm -hmm. be screaming all over the house. So those are the things we just have to have the balance to maintain your mental health. And the one tool also that I learned is that you have to manage your mental health the same way you manage anything, any other health issue, right? Yeah. Like your, um, like if you have diabetes or your weight or your, or your, whatever you have, you have to manage it. And so, because I had that setback, mine was triggered depression. I didn't, I don't have chronic depression or clinical depression or anything like that. It was triggered onset by um, some trauma, um, but. I still have to manage it. And managing it means breathing, meditating, pulling back, talking to God, and um, doing the things that, using the tools that I learned so that I don't bring myself to a place of wanting to just throw in the towel with whatever it is. Quitting, you know, a project or quitting life or quitting your husband or quitting yeah. your kids. Just wanna say, listen, Go to grandma's for the rest of the summer, which I'm actually going to do that, but <laughs> <laughs> at least for a few weeks. But I understand. Yeah, so I really, really do. And 
Listen, I was just telling someone the other day that I had, my husband and I got married when I was 22. By 23, I had my first child um, because of, um, of being in an accident. I wasn't able to finish college. So I got married, had a kid. I didn't go back and to finish college until about three or four years later after I had my son. While I was in college, I ended up getting pregnant with my second son and still ended up graduating with him in my belly. And I realized that many of us can be um, purpose driven where we're trying to reach a goal and as long as there's a goal you don't stop you're always going you're always going and that's the type of person that I am so once something has stopped instead of taking time to um, to celebrate the victory and celebrate that you've actually accomplished something it's like okay what's next what am I doing next what are we doing next and we almost create so much stuff for us that we're doing that we take away the extra time that we could be enjoying our families and doing different things that we make it difficult for us to properly prioritize and I know that my first son my parents raised my first child I didn't raise my first child I was so young I I I wasn't ready to be a mother and I remember going through postpartum depression I didn't hold my son for probably the first two weeks because I was so distraught like what in the world did I get myself into I'm not ready for this I don't know what to do and it wasn't until my sister-in-law was like girl if you will get over here and hold this baby and she like forced me to change his diaper and I didn't want to because I thought that I was going to hurt him and she was like change his diaper and from that moment on I got more into uh, dealing with my son but I think that people think because we're women and because they say we're naturally nurturing that there are things that are innate in us that we're supposed to just automatically know how to do you're supposed to do it all know how to do it balance it all and everything is going to be fine and it's just not that way for everybody it just doesn't work that way and um, my mom told me a long time ago, she said, Whitney, if you don't stop to take care of yourself, eventually when you leave this earth, people are going to forget. They're going to move on and they'll find somebody else to do it. So you have to wait, find a way to tell people no. Tell them I can't do it. Tell them no, my schedule doesn't allow for it. Instead of telling everybody, yes, it's okay to say no sometimes. Yes, yes. And you bring up a good point postpartum because the what I had gone through before mentally, I knew that I could be susceptible to postpartum, but um, mine was like, when my son got here, I watched his every move 24. When he was asleep, my eyes were on and my finger was underneath his nose. When he was awake, <laughs> I, he was connected to me and I literally <laughs> was so exhausted. It felt like my eyes were bleeding. I'm like, how is this possible? I, I, said, to, I said to my mom, I'm like, how do people do this like over and over? Like they have one baby and then they have another. I was so exhausted. I was exhausted. And the postpartum that I had, I, I literally had it for about 
I had my son was a winter baby in November. So we didn't literally take him out the house <laughs> until like March. But, um, you know, he went to like Christmas or Christmas dinner out, but like out, out, we kept him in the house and I kept my eyes on him like a little watchdog. Like he, this thing, he's going to make it. I prayed for you for 22 years and right. there's no way that you're going to go to sleep and not wake right. up. <laughs> Like I have the power, right? That's the one thing. <laughs> one thing as women and mothers, we really think we have all these bionic powers and God, oh. it's all God. And we need to, you know, let go and let God. But I was like, no, God, me and you can work on this together. Oh. <laughs> this little thing is going to stay right here. So I held on to him so, so tight, so tight that it was driving me crazy. And mm. so... I had to release that. And it took me about three months to start saying like, okay, mm -hmm. he sleep, can sleep. Mm -hmm. So yeah, postpartum is definitely something that um, as women, we need to, um, oh, I see our little sister friends help um, supporting us. This is so mm -hmm. cool. Cheryl mm -hmm. and T and yep. Deb oh, and Keisha, so awesome. And Trina, mm -hmm. so amazing. They're on here. But I think that this is great because it's helping, you know what I mean? And I think that even people who come back to watch this, it gives you a, oh, I'm not the only one corner. Because what ends up happening a lot of times is that the adversary wants to isolate us. He wants us to make us think that we're the only one in the world that is dealing with the trauma, the pain, the hurt, the disappointments, the frustrations in life when the reality is that um, there's so many that are going through the same thing. And I think that if we can come together as women, even as a generation of people to help others, to talk about what going on and be a support instead of tearing down we um my husband and I were talking about you before this was happening and it was just refreshing he was like you know she's just really a really good person I was like yeah you're right and he was talking about how you were saying how you wanted um to get to to meet me because I think you probably met him before me uh -huh. in, in the company and the thing about it is is that it's refreshing when someone looks at you and it's like hi and it's genuine not yeah. sizing you up not trying to see what you got on or oh that's your husband that's your and that's a wrap we'll see you next time please make sure that if there's any time that you need any assistance mental health um dealing with anxiety, thoughts of suicide, there's always an outlet and we're here to help. Until next time, see you everybody.